Welcome to Fighting Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher. I'm joined by the birthday buddies who just turned 40. Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. This week, Hello. dudes. Congrats yeah. on making it this far. I swear um, we did more. it. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Mine's getting there, too. I went to the chiropractor <laughs> the other day. Um, so, hey, we've got a, a, a new ask. Uh, again, if you haven't, uh, if you didn't listen to the previous episodes, we've got a t-shirt, a Finding Emo t-shirt. You can... You can represent the podcast with uh, with pride, uh, and you just go to findingemopod.com. We've got a link there on the homepage that'll take you to it. It's a pre-order, and we'll ship it in uh, I don't know, by the end of May. Is that right, Kyle? Something uh, like that? I mean, end of May, early June. Okay, yeah. so uh, so get there. Get your swag. Uh, let's, let's do that. Uh, today, we uh, are talking about... By the way, it's, oh, what, Chris, were you going to say something? I was going to no. say, all I ask if you get the shirt is if somebody says, hey, is that like a movie, like a Pixar movie, it's just insist that you have no clue what they're talking about. Right, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? I've never heard of a movie with a fish no. finding what? I don't know. No, it's a no podcast. Idea. It's great. That's all I ask. And send us a picture of it. Of you wearing yeah. it. Good idea. And denying that you've ever seen the <laughs> Pixar movie Finding Nemo. <laughs> just for copyright purposes. Um, <laughs> hey, today's our 50th episode. Hooray. Woo-hoo. We've made it to 50 episodes. And it's also our two-year anniversary. And so, therefore, as you know, uh, we kicked this thing off with Jimmy Oral Clarity. Uh, on our one-year anniversary, we did Bleed American. So you know what's next. Futures, uh, the October 19, 2004 release. We kind of all did the research on this because we all love this record. So I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about it. Um, released on Interscope Records because they bought DreamWorks, who they signed with for Bleed American. Um, produced by Gil Norton, who we have previously discussed a couple times on this podcast. A uh, fantastic producer, especially when it comes to rock and roll guitars. Um, basically, you know, Bleed American, we know that story. They, you know, funded it, recorded it themselves with Trombino. They'd done the previous three records with Mark Trombino. They go, they tour for like two years on Bleed American straight because it's a gigantic, uh, you know, platinum record for them. They get off the road. They start writing this record. Um, they start working on demos with Trombino. And I I find all sorts of conflicting information about this. But Wikipedia, by the way, is wrong about so many things on this record. And I think it's just mm. because I happen to know a little bit more about this record. And so quite a bit of it is wrong. I, I considered editing Wikipedia articles for the first time in my life. Um, while looking at the information on this record. So th- I've, I've seen some stuff that just says that, hey, they got kind of behind. Trombino had another project that he had to go to. I know for a fact that did not happen because we know people that know the guys in Jimmy World. They live out there. And they told us at the time that it was like, ooh, yeah, no, something went down. It was like a, it was a bad thing. They end up working with Trombino again uh, a few mm-hmm. records later. So it's not like total bad blood. It just wasn't working at the time. And I think it was just a creative kind of rut I think that um, there was some tension around. I think that they toured for for so long, and then they kind of jumped into the record thing, kind of like, hey, we got to get a record out. And I think it just wasn't conducive to what was going on because post-Trombino uh, parting ways and hiring Gil Norton, they write, uh, let's see, Work, Pain, Polaris, 23. I mean, like a Good lot stuff. of the power stuff from this record. So I don't know if Jim was just in kind of a writing rut for a second. Um, but, uh, either way he got out of it. Uh, they got in the studio with Gil Norton. Um, they did basically the drums at a big studio in LA and, um, and kind of did all that stuff there. And then they did the rest of the record at a guy's house in Arizona where they're from. 
Um, and that had some challenges cause, uh, they couldn't go past like 11 PM cause it was where the guy lived and his family. <laughs> and That's so, crazy. you know, sometimes you're in like the creative flow and you got to shut it down or whatever, but obviously it gives them a lot more time than if they're paying the rates that you're paying at the big LA studio to do like guitar tracking when you can do guitar tracking really anywhere. So, um, so uh, a pretty good thing. Uh, some some interesting notes about kind of the uh, tracking of the record and stuff. They did, uh, as per usual, I mean, this is kind of nerdy stuff, but they normally do drop D. But in this one, they do quite a bit of like drop D, but a half step down, which Chris and I's band did all the time. And that would be something we stole from Weezer, not from mm. Jimmy World, even though we stole, stole a lot of stuff from uh, Jimmy World as well. But the drop D, half step down. We didn't do drop D so much, but uh, the half step down part, uh, that's a classic Weezer first two albums uh thing they did and um gil norton obviously is like a as we've talked about before i mean we just talked about him in the last couple episodes but um really good rock guitar producer foo fighters pixies dashboard confessional um this record jimmy world uh the bayside record right that's what the one he did recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. pretty good at the guitars. And I mean, this thing definitely has the guitar tone. Um, mm. And, you know, the, 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 I, I, I wonder on the falling out thing, like what, I just kind of wonder what would have happened if they would have continued right? making the record with Trombino in a kind of a deep dive of the internet. I found the Trombino demos <laughs> uh, on like some guy's Dropbox uh, they had a link on Reddit. I'll put that in the show mo- show notes if you're interested in hearing them. They're cl- they call them Trombino sessions. They are clearly demos. These are not. They're very clearly not like. Um, oh, this is the real tracking. This is just fleshing out songs and stuff like that for sure. Although with digital stuff, that's kind of how it works in Pro Tools. You don't really have demos and final versions you you start in pro tools and you keep replacing stuff with you know better stuff it's just kind of one gigantic session is how they go and they they did specifically decide to go kind of all pro tools with it they were kind of back and forth between like should we do tape should we do because the previous couple records well let's see clarity they did kind of a combination of recording the tape and then dumping that into pro tools so they could more easily edit it i think bleed american was pretty much all pro tools there might have been some tape stuff in there too but this one, they were kind of trying to decide what to do. And there was this quote from, I can't remember who it was. I kind of read this in-depth um, article from EQ Magazine, which we'll also throw in there, where they talked about how, you know, they were trying to figure out the best way to use the best technology to make a record. And they were, I think a lot of people had this, um, I think Pro Tools and digital recording kind of got a bad rap up front. Um, and, and some people kind of felt like it was cheating. But their kind of view was like, well, look, the Beatles were always taking advantage of whatever newest recording technology yep. they could. Didn't like, it's the right. same yeah. thing, Jumping except for off. them, it was six tracks, you know, like that was a fun right. or eight tracks or whatever <laughs> for uh, something like Sgt. Pepper's. And this is obviously significantly more when you get into Pro Tools um, and and that kind of stuff. And there's some really interesting technical stuff in that magazine because it's a super technical magazine. And that's what, so that's what they talk about is like what exact mics they use, what preamps, all that stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, check out the article, but I won't bore you with all of those details. But it was very interesting uh, to read. Um, my sort of favorite quote about kind of the overall thing from Jim re- regarding Gill's work uh, is he said, and Gil was really into the details of things. He made us focus on getting into and out of different sections of songs, a level of detail that we hadn't considered before. And there was this other quote from them that was like, basically, 
we used to, if we didn't like know how to go from one part to the other, we just went from the one part to the other. <laughs> and it sometimes <laughs> didn't work very well. And I guess Gil would be like, no, I think you could do a better transition there. Like, and really kind of got into that minutia of the band. Um, I, he also kind of encouraged Zach to, um, kind of branch out a little bit more because I think Zach's traditionally a pretty simple drummer. Like he likes to keep things really simple and kind of just be the backbone. And yep. um, I'll try to find the quote. Oh, he said, he's a great drummer, Zach. In a way, it's nice to push him a little bit and make him think about the parts and fills and stuff he hadn't really tried before. He was just basically trying to say like, go nuts, like try something. Yeah. Um, and you can hear it on this. I mean, you can hear there's some more Most definitely complicated drumming on it than the previous two records. Um, and I feel like Gil Norton just that's a good producer's job is like get a little bit more out of the band it's like this is already a good band they're already a successful band uh they've been a band for more than a decade at this point that's crazy um, to think too 11 years right around yeah yeah um uh, because in the midnight like 94 95 or something they start playing with each other so um so they've been a band for a little bit while and keep in mind like I always think of them as older than me but I forget that they're in their 20s still at this point I mean Jim's not quite they weren't uh, older, they were just like in band longer. <laughs> yeah, they've just been in a band for a while, but they were like 28, 29-ish, you know, in that range. And so, uh, you know, they're still young guys, and following up Bleed American is obviously hard to do, potentially, because that record is a massive hit and kind of launches them uh, into the stratosphere. And so you've got to um, you got to follow it up with something good, and it just sounds like it wasn't working. They weren't coming up with the stuff that was gonna be that good follow-up record with trombino and it just came together with gill um and like i said I, it obviously wasn't such bad blood that they didn't uh continue to work with him later so on trombino so i'm glad because i really like trombino and i like the i like the trombino um secret fifth member of jimmy world kind of thing because it was good to have him for three records although I think Jimmy Iovine even said, like, after three records with Tom Petty, like, you should fire your producer after three records. <laughs> like, that's enough. Like, you know, you've done you've done three in a row. Still. You might get kind of in a in a rut uh, if you keep going. But um, both really good producers. They've done a good job at that. And obviously, Jim's getting more into recording at this point, too. So he's getting into the gear. They've got their little home studio set up. Not home studio, but they've got, like, a sort of practice space studio. And I think he's getting more into that. And you can hear that in those Trombino sessions that I mentioned. There are like most of the demos for that thing that becomes the disintegration EP that came after this. Wait, is that the name of the EP? Oh, stay on my side tonight. Stay on my side. Yeah. 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 Wait. Yeah. Disintegration is a song on it. Disintegration is the song on it. So anyway, most of those are in the demos for the Trombino sessions, and then they really actually flesh them out. And a lot of that I know Jim did himself, um, not completely, but um, a lot of that stuff they ended up fleshing out and, and finishing. So, uh, and those th that's a cool EP, but I don't think most of those songs work on this record, if that makes sense. Like it, they're a little too works really well for an EP that follows this up, but I don't think I don't necessarily think it would have worked for like the follow-up to bleed american <laughs> right yeah yeah but i'm glad i'm glad they did it because they had those pieces of music and they're like these are cool and i, I love yeah. that ep but there's some um, good bones there and and yeah. then um and a, and a few of the songs are in those demos with trombino but obviously some of the bigger sort of um i don't say hits because i mean two of those are singles obviously and 23 was not a single but it's like a gigantic fan favorite um of of their fans so I'd certainly think this record would not be the same without that, that song. Oh, so, 
yeah, so I don't know if you all have any um, other tidbits that you learned about the record that you don't want to talk about in the next couple sections that we do, but uh, you guys have anything for us? Nothing. Like, it Great. was extremely well covered. I don't have okay. anything to add. Okay, well, good to know. Uh, so... I have Kyle? some stuff about uh, like four songs and you may already, you may have the article that he did for the Phoenix new times for the, I do not have that anniversary one. of, oh. uh, of futures, but like, it's funny because they're like Jim Atkins tells us about four songs on futures. And like, he clearly was on the phone for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Futures. Yeah. That's the first song on the record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's the uh, title track. There's some, there's some insight. I'll, I'll just wait. I'll, I'll you should wait. do it for the, on this specific song. So that That's what I was yeah, that sounds yeah. perfect. I would love that. Um, one other uh, sort of weird sort of note, not because it doesn't follow a specific song, but one thing that they definitely did on this record that was different than the previous two is they kind of have almost in every song, there's like a droning, repeating thing that happens throughout that song. Or for a lot of it, not necessarily the entire time. So like uh, 23, it's the little kind of sitar sounding uh, lick that's kind of going for most of the time. Um, Pain has that little glitchy noise in the background. They all kind of have it once you start listening for it. And it does kind of create a cohesive feeling on this record, even from songs that don't sound anything alike, like going from, you know, whatever drugs or me to pain, you know, those yeah. are kind of polar opposites, but it does. Uh, I feel like that was a, uh, an interesting production choice that kind of connected these songs better um, because it does have, it has a different feel like these songs already had kind of, I always said it was kind of a combination of bleed American and clarity in the sense that it was like a little more, um, not straight pop because like Bleed American was like a straight pop rock record for the most part and Clarity had a lot more kind of creative stuff I mean they have a, it closes with a 16 minute track and I feel like this was a good combination of those two with like a slightly darker guitar edge you know and and maybe even lyrical edge so anyway I think they did a good job um, let's go to first impressions though so Kyle you first impression of this record when it comes out um man <clears throat> I, I thought it kicked butt. Um, I do think that I remember kind of like, because I have a very specific memory of of a bleed American. Like I know Chris, like all of you guys in in minutes too far were just vibing hard on it. Like I used to love it when you guys would uh, warm up to a, a song from. I, I I saw you guys warm up to the middle a couple times, and I was just like this freaking rocks these this is awesome like i, I don't even rocks. remember that honestly. oh yeah definitely but we probably um, did <laughs> and then now okay before people were there not like sound checks no no, no. You, i know yeah, what you but, mean yeah yeah and um and then i just remember vibing so hard on that record and it's it's more poppy right and so yeah. like when this came out it may have taken me a second like at first like oh this is different but it's pretty hard to not freaking love the guitars coming in on Futures. I mean, I definitely, there's no doubt that it, the first time I heard that song, I was like, holy crap, this is insane. Um, yeah. It may have taken me a little bit longer to get into the full record, but I, I mean, dude, it's Jimmy Eat World. I knew it was awesome. And if I wasn't super into it, I knew I would be. Yeah. 
So. That's a that's a pretty fair statement. Chris, what about you? I I was blown away. I, I was so excited that I went to 23rd Street Body Piercing. Yep. I went you, with you. Was it me and you? Okay. That's, and I, that's what was my, my, my memory girlfriend at the time and a couple yeah. other people. I don't remember who the other people were. I think Katie were. came, right? I think she uh, I don't think you were dating Katie yet. Were you in 2004? I, I was. Oh, maybe you were. Uh, you is should it, know uh, this. I don't know. I, no, I, but I think that's part of the, so that's part of the story is that I think we just started dating. So for, yeah. for me, this album always reminds me of the beginning of that, uh, of our relationship. But anyway, um, yeah, so we waited and I think we put it right in and listened to it, right? I mean, on the way home. Yeah, what was um, weird, okay. But was that, that before or after the buzz played the whole record? Remember? Well, okay, so that was for the buzz, that right. w- it was the radio station that was doing the thing. We got there super early because we thought there'd be a ton of people. We were the Way first four people there. <laughs> and we like literally walked in. They gave us the CDs and it was it. I mean, I was expecting like, oh, there'll be a line of people and stuff. And we just like showed up because we knew yeah. the girl of the buzz. And uh, and so we had like, oh, yeah, we'll show up. We'll get the record. It was a week early, too. Right. So a week before right. the record came out, which was exciting. And they had released that. Do you remember they released like a kind of like a little snippet where it's just like 10 seconds of different songs on the record. It was kind of like a mashup kind of thing that they released. I remember listening to that and just being like, okay, this record's going to be good. Um, and then yes. you played me Futures in the van because you you had that song and you're like, I know you want to wait till you listen to the whole record, but you've got to listen to this song. Well, how did <laughs> and I you were that right. song? I don't remember, but you had it. <laughs> Surely not I was, Napster. I was kind of, no, I was kind of a music finding hacker back in the day. Like I was really good at it, finding like obscure websites. I was just relentless is all it was. Yeah, I, you I found it. Give up. I would download MP3 after MP3 and every time it'd be crazy town and I'd be like, nope, that's a lie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, you you got both. I mean, I, I remember hearing that sampler thing, sort of weird thing. Polaris was the song that was on that kind of sampler thing that just made yes. me go like, okay, that's interesting. I like that. And then you played me Futures and then we got the record like a week before it came out and it was, yeah. it was great. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, 23rd Street Body Piercing. Shout out. <laughs> but what were, what were your thoughts on it when you first heard it oh, after I loved it. downloading I loved futures it. illegally <laughs> yes I, I the, it was the second song that i had already heard future so i remember exactly where i was driving when i heard the second song um and i it was like right off of fawn run drive in yukon oklahoma like i i'm there when i think about that song and i because it had that big of an impact on me listening to it just tonight for the first time and going like okay they kind of went like a harder direction and i'm really into it um and i just remember like you know, then listening to work, which was a single and kill. And uh, I'll go into detail with the songs later, but yeah, it, it was everything I wanted to be such a rare thing for such a brooding young man, you know, like so quick to, I, I would have been very quick to be like, Oh, I knew they were going to blow it. And then, you know, I was, I was stoked. I think that cemented them as my favorite band, like that moment, like they were a band I really liked. And then I was like, okay, these guys, these guys are it for me. I love this band. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty. I, most of my first impressions are similar because we got the record at the exact same time. <laughs> we were literally um, listening to it. The exact oh yeah, same time. we listened to it we're together. We're sure of that. But I mean, like, I, I just, yeah, I, the, that fall winter of 2004 is like seared in my brain. I was driving my brother's F-150 at the time, dating a girl <laughs> like 30 minutes away from me, so I was like in it all the time and listening to that record constantly. I mean, it yep. was in the rotation um, just a ton. And, uh, yeah, I just remember being like, they did a great job of, you know, I felt like beforehand we, we had all these people that 
were like, oh, like, I don't really like them post-Clarity, which I think is just a, that's fine if you have a preference, but like to dismiss a band entirely mm, after dumb. one album because Bleed American sounded different. And they called them sellouts and stuff. I'm like, they made the record themselves. They literally yep. worked they were dropped by jobs. <laughs> yeah, they were dropped by Claire, by uh, by Capital. They make this record themselves on their own dime. And then and then they sell it to DreamWorks and, and sell whatever, a million copies of it. I'm like, how is that selling out? They literally, I don't know. I just, it always bothered me. But I felt like this was such a good haters. blend of those two records. Yeah. Yeah, they're haters. It's such a good blend of those two records. I was like, I don't really understand why someone that liked Clarity and thought Bleed American went too pop wouldn't like this. Because it definitely had a rock kind of edge to it. It had some cool stuff kind of similar to Clarity in the sense of like, I feel like 23, not that they could have fit on, on clearly, but like drugs are me 23. There's like, there's several songs on here that I think kind of fit clarity ish. There's a couple that fit very bleed American, but none of them, they don't feel so disjointed that it's bad. It's a cohesive record in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I just really liked it from the get go. And then Chris and I got to go see them. This was crazy. We, um, they're playing Jay Leno. And so they send out a thing, but only to their, only to people on their email list. They're in California. But we've got friends in California that are like, hey, I'm pretty sure Jimmy World's playing at the Whiskey while you guys are here. And so they send us the pre-sale link and we get tickets. They sell out in like a minute because it's like a 250-person venue. And right. we're seeing them when like work is a single, I'm pretty sure, yeah. uh, when they play uh, Jay Leno. And we're in this room of like 250 people seeing Jimmy World as a you know platinum-selling artist. And, and these kids in L.A. just could not have cared less <laughs> they were and jim atkins called him out on it <laughs> like on stage yeah. he was like you guys are just not into it tonight are you <laughs> it was kind of and we're like chris and i are freaking out because it was Practice, a lot yes. of fun it was a really fun show <laughs> and uh and getting to that see is, a band that at that level sounded so good yeah and it was a great little venue it was a fun show it was just such a weird experience to be in la with like like Okay, I know you guys were excited about this show because it sold out in like a minute. You bought these tickets fast. I know you like right. this band. Why will you not sing along? Or are you too cool? I don't understand. There's a weird vibe in LA. Sorry to LA listeners if you're out there, but just enjoy the show, man. Don't worry about what people are going to think about you if you're singing along or dancing or something. Uh, it was a solid, uh, solid show. Um, and yeah, I, I also think my first impression was that Gil made Jim Atkins a better singer. Like it's more so yep. like in the enunciation of the way he sang. It's not that he was like hitting the notes wrong before. Um, it, it's just like you could. There were parts of Clarity and Bleed American that I still like read the liner notes. I'm like, oh, that's what he's saying. And I feel like that didn't happen on this record. I feel like all of a sudden it was like from here on out, whether he was working with Gill or not, something about doing having him be the producer kind of evolved him as a singer and i feel like from that point on it was kind of a it didn't ever go back to he can be a little not mumbly it's not the right word it's just like not enunciating enough and uh and that kind of disappeared on this record so it's like lyrics were all super clear uh i just i think it's i think it's them kind of firing on all cylinders i can't think of anything on this record where it sounds like they weren't uh doing the best they could oh yeah yeah, so um, that's really it as far as like kind of first impressions and stuff. So do y'all want to go to track by track? Let's it. get it started. Might as well. Okay, well, let's kick this thing off with a pretty solid opening track uh, and the title track called Futures. 
one thing I forgot to uh, to mention in the upfront part of this show is that um, Chris has a futures tattoo. Um, so full it's disclosure, <clears throat> and I have a giant framed or printed on glass picture of Jimmy World playing from the futures ten-year uh, anniversary show in uh, Tulsa at Kane's Ballroom uh, that our friend Anna took, and it's wonderful. So we're gigantic fans. So. Huge. You may not be as big of a fan of this, so we're going to be gushing about these songs for <laughs> yeah. the next while, okay? Uh, just full disclosure. But we're going to go to Kyle first. So, Kyle, <laughs> thoughts on Futures, uh, okay. the track. Okay, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep it brief. If no, you don't wants. have to. No, uh, keep it non-brief. <laughs> Listen, the opposite okay. of brief. Well, then this is what I'm going to say. Jan, Jan, Jan. like dude the freaking guitars on this song and like i i think i've seen i know i've seen jimmy world with you guys three times i'm certain of three times i've seen them 10 times now and like every time they play that i i know they're gonna play futures yeah Mm -hmm. open with futures and they're going to melt my face off with that freaking guitar riff the the opening, the lead, then the chan chans. I just freaking <laughs> love the guitar chan all chan. the way through. Chan chan, chan, <laughs> chan, 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 It's just freaking. It it may be, it may be uh, through and through my favorite guitar song of all time. Like just that's high praise. Just mm-hmm. all of the parts kick butt. All of them shred. I mean, they just they they're just awesome. Okay. So the song's great, but I wanted to read hot off of the hot off the presses of the Phoenix New Times. Um, is this one of the four? This is one of the four. And this is why I think Jim Adkins had five minutes to talk to someone on the phone. You're going to think that there's more when I stop reading, but there is not. <laughs> We started working with Gil Norton as producer and David Schiffman as engineer at Cello Studios in L.A. Room 1, Atkins says. We recorded the drums and some other basic tracks there and then moved to Tucson to work at Harvey Moltz's home studio. We wanted to not be in California for a change. Tucson felt like a great place to work while still being removed from distractions. That's it. That's his take on futures. (laughs) And there's not, there is not a word uttered about the actual song about the in that song. paragraph <laughs> no i i was kind of wondering well, that is pretty funny it's almost like they like he didn't hear them right like he here's thought, here's uh, the thing that's what jim atkins has to say about futures yeah here's my song. here's my thought is uh i found so the wikipedia page this is where it goes off the rails by the way is like already it talks about the song here it calls them harmonizing guitar parts they're mm. not they're an octave apart from each other just because here's what drives me crazy I've just I've determined is that like all it takes is one idiot on the internet to write something and post it and then apparently that becomes fact. So I found multiple articles referencing that guitar part as harmonizing guitars and I'm like they're not they're one's lower and one's higher but they're not harmonizing. I don't know. That's not a complicated musical theory no, um, concept, no. right? I mean, you guys know what that is. It's yeah. not. And I Chris feel like if you, could even write the, if you could even write the word harmonizing, you probably have some inkling what it was. Right, I would think so. It's not a term like, that just gets thrown around a lot. Right, like my <laughs> wife doesn't understand harmonizing, but, <laughs> but she like, kind of is hilarious because she tries. I try to explain to her. She kind of does, but she can't figure it out. Um, 
but like I feel like these people writing like um, reviews of the album should know what a harmony is, and this is not one of them. So that is not a harmonizing guitar part. That is one guitar part. It's just they're an octave apart from each other. Just in case anyone was actually curious, it's also uh, but, rocking, by the way. Yeah, I mean, can we just talk about how Face again they kill it with the first track of a record? I mean, they're just so good at it. It's consistent. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Chris, what are your thoughts on, on the first track other than what we've said so far? Uh, it's an absolute banger. I love a song. Um, I think they have a special gift and they, uh, they kind of do this on their latest album too. That, that just the kind of single note for the rhythm section on the verse, Yeah. how it builds the tension and then just it like leaves all the space to open it up. We're like, what are you going to do on the chords? You can do anything. You have every other note at your disposal. I love it. Uh, I, I think that's yeah, because cool. really the only to... note change on the verse <laughs> yeah. is the higher guitar part that's going right, between right, those two chords. The harmony? The harmony? Just kidding. <laughs> it's not a harmony. <laughs> <laughs> I think you meant harmony uh, there, Blake. You didn't say it, but I think you meant it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I also love uh, this song because it's like the it's like the Jim Adkins style political where like uh, or not even necessarily political. I, he he writes about things in a way where, you know, you you could kind of you could like guess what he was talking about, but he really never comes right. Yeah, he never overtly says anything in in any of his songs. It's all kind of, you know, in between the lines. Like it's yeah, you you just you you can feel how you want to feel about it. You know, it's he not, tends to it's be vague like in your face. Yes, yeah. he tends to be vague without being so vague that you don't pick up lyrics that you relate to. Right. Or Which, you, you relate to them however you want to. True. Yeah. Okay, I got to read the full quote here because it's just absolutely ridiculous how bad. This is on the Wikipedia page, guys. <laughs> it's all wrong. I'm going to go delete. I'm going to learn how to edit on Wikipedia. I'm going to delete this whole sentence. The song starts with two harmonizing guitar riffs. Not true. Shifting into verses that put the vocals at the forefront. Okay, yeah, that's fine. A tremolo-affected guitar line in the pre-chorus doesn't exist by the way can't hear it anywhere doesn't i can't find it leads into the halftime chorus there's no halftime chorus the drums are playing the same beat the whole time i don't know who this person was but they wrote this all down and then people were like it's the gospel truth and we put it on there anyway uh can't trust wikipedia we've decided we're gonna go to other other sources we just we gotta dig a little deeper apparently um yeah but yeah, they knock it out of the park. Bridge is magical on this. In fact, on that 10-year uh, Futures anniversary tour, they open with kind of like the that bridge, kind of Rhodes and uh, Bell part or whatever, and then he sings that kind of bridge into the intro, and then they do the full song. And it was, it was awesome. It's a great way for them to do that song, and I think they almost should do that every single time they play it live because it's pretty great. Um. You know, it's just, it's good. What's interesting about this is that you can listen to, I think on Spotify and Apple Music, the deluxe version of Futures has the second disc, quote unquote, that has all the demos of these songs. So you really can hear like the origin of the song versus what happens. And like this song is fine in the demo version, but it's not where it lands. Uh, that like the bridge and the intro and, it kind of had the intro, but not really. It just kind of started with the guitars and that that, that riff dun, dun, came in later. Dun, dun. But someone dun, was, I mean, obviously dun. someone was like, uh, dude, you got to play that riff to open that the song right now. and open the record. Just play it right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's that's do awesome. that because it's Good production. Great. Good yeah. producer. And so that's, uh, that's... One of the best producers, obviously. Yeah. He's fantastic. Way and go, so um, good, good for Gil. Uh, that's off to you, Gil Norton. So yeah, I hear this song 
the first time with Chris playing it in the van and then on the record. And I'm, and I did not listen to that song again. I only listened to that one time that you played it for me in the van. I didn't take it from you or put it on my iPod <laughs> or anything like that. Cause I was like, I want to savor the full yeah. record coming out. And man, yeah, it's just, it's a really good song. It's great live. Like Kyle said, Kyle, what, what else you got for us on this? I, I wanted to add one other thing. I wanted to say, if you can listen to this song and not headbang, you're a loser, and I don't want to know you. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this Pitchfork review, which I should have grabbed. I'll grab the link to it and put it in the show notes. But it's, um, it is scathing of this record. I mean, you would have thought, <laughs> it's weird how it talks about it. Really, it just complains about his lyrics the whole time. That's what it, the whole thing just complains about his lyrics, and it makes a few musical kind of things what, what's pitchfork's review scale is it 10 oh i thought it was five if it's five it gave it a three out of five but he all it does is crap on it the whole time well and maybe so, it's 10 then so i don't even want to read it because it's just so i just feel like there's some people that just want to crap Didn't they on correct it though oh no that's that's uh pinkerton yeah that's pinkerton no that's rolling stone and pinkerton yeah and there were a lot of people in pinkerton actually but um yeah i just i've not met a jimmy world fan that doesn't like this record that I don't met. want to. I don't, yeah. And so I think you're just wrong. If you don't like this record, you don't like Jimmy world, which is totally fine. If you don't like the band, if it's not your style, that's totally fine. But when you review music, I don't feel like that's what you can say. I think that's not your job, but um, anyway, it got trashed, but what does he know? Th- that song rules. It's a great way to open a record. So let's go to track two just tonight. <laughs> talking about this song a second ago so why don't you go first tell us your thoughts on just tonight yeah i mean it, it, it it's like uh i don't want to compare it to bleed american in a way that i'm saying but it, it's just a good rock out kind of minor sounding song and um dude yeah it just rips the the freaking bass and uh great clip by the way good guitar um solo rocking solo in the yeah. who's <laughs> love it um there's so much going on there's so many layers happening um and it it it, it this song i thought was really interesting because i even though i said it's like ble- you know kind of c- can relate it to bleed american the song bleed american it, it doesn't really sound like any other jimmy world song i mean it's a very it kind of stands out still to this day it's kind of unique um all the different things going on um and uh it, it i don't know it it get it got me really excited for the album and it still does because this album kind of twists and turns a little bit. It goes through like these different themes and these different styles. And this, this, I feel like opens, it's like the second chapter of the book and it opens up for all those possibilities. Um, and I also really like the synth, the 80s synth on the bass. On and the, somehow, on the, uh, somehow bridge. they ramped up from futures. I know. <laughs> how do you like, it's pretty you push tough. The accelerator down a little farther down. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, love it. Uh, birthday buddy nailed it. The hoo-hoos, man, those are awesome. The freaking guitar solo. It, I mean, it's long enough to... That, that's a solo, right? 
Oh yeah, that's definitely oh, yeah. a solo. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's pretty quick, but you know, it's it's two full progressions. Yeah, it's, it's definitely just right. Yeah. And and and, and uh, they ha- el- there's some elements from that that repeat. Freaking awesome. I I I love the way the guitars sound, and I think it's so funny because before last week, I didn't realize Gil Norton produced um, the the Bayside record that we did. Wait, uh, what? Wasting time, killing mm-hmm. time. Um, I had no idea, and I love the way the guitars sound on that record. So it's like, I'm gonna talk. I'm on every song. I'm gonna be like, guitars sound cool because they do sound awesome. Um, and then I love the line, "A little water, please." I taste you all over my teeth. Um, yeah, I just picture him r- rinsing his mouth out and spitting it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that, and I I like. Um... I picked that clip because I liked that the guitars had some cool stuff going on. The drums, like Zach's like all over the place yeah. on this playing. It's awesome. Like, and I feel like that's this is probably one of those songs where they were like, why don't you just go for it? Why don't you really like give us some fills? You know, because he wasn't like, there's hardly any fills that aren't like, jacka, 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 jacka on Clarity and Bleed America. It's all pretty simple stuff and they're all doing it together. And it's, and like, I think Zach's an underrated drummer. I think that he does some really cool stuff. And um, and I like that we broke him out a little bit on this record. Um, it's cool. I like it. It's a great second track. Like they just, it rocks. It it ramps up from futures, which is hard to do, as mentioned. Yeah. Um, and it is kind of it is it's you know it's kind of like it's a little get it faster, bleed American, um, mm-hmm. but with more edge somehow. Like so, that solo is cool. Uh, before Ooh, yeah, this, yeah. really, the only solo we had was from the middle, which is more of like a fun solo. This is like a cool, noisy. I'm, I'm into. Yeah, it. I like how it's not. It's not like just. It's not that it's loose, but it's not just perfect. You know? What no, I mean? it's like it's got like it's angsty. Yeah, like it. Yeah. It has emotion in that guitar solo. It's a cool thing, and I like that. Uh, like Jim's kind of signature thing on, especially this record, he starts doing it and it kind of continues throughout this, but like the, the octave guitar parts. So there's all sorts of solos on this, or even the futures line that are not harmonies. It's just like one's an octave lower, one's an octave higher. It's the same part. He's just playing twice or with like a double or live, he would do it. But, um, and it's cool. It like beefs that stuff up without, um, um, I don't know, it just kind of becomes his thing, like playing octaves, but in like lead lines, not just like playing the octave, um, like Blink-182 style or all punk rock bands style. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cooler way to do it. So I'm into it. Um, I think you can definitely, I mean, the drums just sound so good on on this record. I think the room they did it in and the way they mic'd everything up was kind of awesome. So I'm into it. Um, why don't we go to track three, which is not the first single, but it was the second single work. Kyle, what are your thoughts on work? Dude, 
<clears throat> excuse me, guys. I love this song. I love it's got for me, it's got the vibe of like, I don't know, like the teenager in the movie, like the dorky dude that's like coming into his own and he convinces this girl to like ride around town with him. Like that's that's the vibe I get from the song. It's just this feel good. Uh, I don't know, like youth. Uh, I don't it's not romance, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, it's got a feel good vibe to it. And also I, uh, Jim Atkins has some things to say about work. And actually, he does address work on this, actually so this the song cool. this time. He does. <laughs> and and actually, I didn't know um, <clears throat> that that's Liz Fair singing. Yeah, that was my cool fact. Oh, um, uh, sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So he says he says that um, initially, while working on it, there was something that re- that uh, reminded him of Liz Fair, and I don't know exactly what it was. I always think it's interesting to hear male and female vo- voices contributing to complex relationship type songs. Our A and R person had a connection with her, so I figured, why not just ask Liz Fair to sing with us? She was into it, so in a couple days. We had Liz Fair in the studio in L.A. where we were working doing backups. So that's yeah, pretty I, cool that he had her in mind. Yeah, I think it's. I, re, I remember hearing when this was a single, him saying that like, well, we kind of thought it was. I can't remember what song it was of hers that he. They thought it was kind of like in the same vein, and so that's why they're like, well, so we figured we might as well have her sing on it if we were kind of ripping her off. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, but that's high praise to be like, hey, I feel like this has a Liz Fair sound. Let's see if we can get yeah. her. And that's kind of awesome. Uh, and she just kind of had her. Um, she was pretty indie, but then like right, like the year, like probably her while main, they were recording this, stream, yeah, success. her album came out that was huge, and she kind of broke out in in a big way. Um, so it's kind of coincidental and interesting that like most people didn't know she was the one singing on it. It's also interesting because she's singing lower than him at the start totally. of those choruses. Right. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on work? I, so Kyle, Blake, did you guys know the Liz Fair thing till like a few weeks ago? I learned it like no. while I was researching this album. Okay, cool. No, I knew it. I, I remember, oh, like okay. I said, I saw him talking about it like on, it was MTV or something way back when. Um, Cause it's, like I said, she had blown up at that point. So it was like, it was a thing that people were asking them about when work was a single. Cause she was So I wonder why they famous. didn't say like, was that just not a thing back then to say featuring I don't think so. Like not on not on a rock record. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Rock and roll. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a hip hop thing. Should have done it. Should have done it. Um, Could have. I love this song. Um, the uh, the line is just not me to wear it on my sleeve. Count on that for sure. I've always liked that line. I know it's pretty like on the nose, but I, I've always loved it. And then, um, gosh, it, uh, Jim Atkins, it, or maybe Gil Norton. I don't know, but. He's got, he like always knows how to pull out these like songwriting tricks that I just always think are so clever. The way that the first chorus doesn't resolve, it like leaves you hanging with that and it goes back into the verse. And then the clip Blake played, then it resolves in, in all four chords. And I, I just, I, I love when songwriters do that where you get, give you a little taste and then, but make you wait for the, for the second chorus for, uh, you know, to, to, to show, show the whole hand. Um, love that about this song. It's a great song, very emotional. Oh yeah, I love this song. The demo version, if you listen to it, has completely different lyrics. It's no not okay. even close to the same thing. And um, you know, gosh, I gotta give him credit for. I'm such a bad lyric writer that once I've got them, I mean, I might tweak some things, <laughs> but I've never wholesale deleted the lyrics post recording a demo to be like, I think there's better lyrics here. 
Um, you get married to what, it. Like, how do you? Start I know again? it's just hard. You know, even it's if hard. It's not to, great. You're kind of like this is it, but this is it. This is the song. Do you know what's really like, interesting what was it about though? Before, do you remember? Well, I mean, I've listened to it. It was just not the same song. It's almost like something. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say something happened where he was like, "Oh, that's a better thing to write a song about." Okay, <laughs> and then so wrote, it's not like he's saying the same thing with worse. No, no, no. It's like a totally different song. Um, okay. And oddly enough, there's same thing on the, I don't know if it's the demo that's on Spotify, but it's definitely in that Trombino sessions. Drugs or Me was also a completely different song. Like oh. same song, but totally different lyrics. Not So I think you can tell like, you know, especially with that one, because it's so clearly like a personal thing about someone, you know, choosing drugs over friendship kind of thing, um, that I, I feel like that had to have just happened. And then you go, okay, that's what the song's about. What's interesting is the work thing still has some of the same rhyming schemes, but totally different lyrics. So uh-huh. but I think that's how you have to do it maybe because you have, it's like I have this lyric stuck in my head and this is how it goes. And so what can I say there instead um, that kind of has the same cadence and maybe even rhyming scheme? Because I, I don't think, and it's close. There's some on the chorus that's, um like, you know, it might end the word with me or something like that, or the phrase with me or something. So it's kind of a little similar, but not quite there. But anyway, it's interesting listening to it because I'm, I'm just, I couldn't do it. I get, I get demoitis in such a bad way that it's hard for me to ditch that. But, um, but he's a professional and I'm not. So that's probably, uh, probably why. So worth listening to that. I love the line. I just like that. We all have different favorite lines. I love that all the best DJs are saving their slowest song for last. Mm, that oh, that's, great, great oh, line, that's yeah. such a good that line. That's a great line. Um, yeah, I just remember the very first time I heard it. And, 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 uh, and Jim rocking the long hair in this in the music video, too. Yes. Um, had the long hair. Although, I have to say, I think I prefer Jim with the short hair. I think it, I think it suits him better, but I don't know. Got to try new things. Got to try yeah. new things, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, no, it did not, didn't, didn't play. Uh, well, let's go to um, track four, Kill. Chris Monier, let's go to you first. Thoughts on Kill, track four. Oh, I knew you'd pick me first. Blake knows <laughs> this is probably my favorite song of all time. Like, maybe of all time. This is my favorite song. I think it's a combination of it being a great song and it being a special time in my life, meeting you know my future wife. Also had a lot of emotional things happen. You know, We lost a dear friend that year. Some of us were closer than others, but um, this song always hits me right in the feels. Um, the... I feel like I'm going to say all, all the things that you guys might say, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, no, before, that's fine. Say it. You know, say everybody it. nods <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> the um, the uh, lyrics not matching on the different choruses. Um, I'm, is that's probably in your article, right, Kyle? Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'll. I'll. I'll yeah. I bet. I, I figured. I was like, I bet he says something about that. Um, and uh, you know, the the absolutely magical bri- bridge still gives me cheers to this day. Um, the, the lyrics are fantastic. Sorry, but I just can't turn off how I feel. And to just the layers of background vocals and all those different like little ear can- candy things happening, this song is just freaking magic. Um, 
yeah, I could talk for hours. I, I'll I'll leave it there. Uh, oh, and I found out about Heat Miser from this song, which I was a huge Elliott Smith fan. I had no idea that he had a band before this. And then they went on and they covered a Heat Miser song on the EP that came out after this. So freaking cool. Not a okay. Heat Miser song. The song they referenced right, right. in well, yeah, this exactly. song. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which like, I didn't figure out until so like meta. five years ago. It was like five years ago that I figured that out, by the way, Chris. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm with you. Yes. No. Like, this, this, sorry. That last part, I didn't. I didn't put it all together until the Heat Miser song came, and I was like, "Wait a minute." It all kind of started to, um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah so on, yeah, that Heat Miser covers on the EP that follows this, and I, I like that EP. It's great. I knew that was a Heat Miser cover, and then like a few years ago, all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait a minute." That's the lyric from the song. <laughs> yeah. They covered the song he mentions in Kill. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, Kyle, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on kill? I, I don't really have any extra thoughts other than I <laughs> love the background vocals on the clip that you just played so much. The, in particular, the, and the ams, you know, uh, I just think never in a hundred years in the studio would I have been like, you know what you should sing in the background. Try this. It's just, it's, it's unique and it's a special part. Um, and then, the only other thing I'm going to read the, I'm going to read what Jim has to say, because I agree with my birthday buddy. You're probably going to talk about how awesome it is. So I'll leave you to it. But Jim says, I wanted to try writing something that didn't have repeating lyrics. Atkins says, it seems like a challenge and I chose kill to go for it. Got about as close as I could with it. Some elements I had to keep familiar as it went on though. Yeah, but it does evolve the whole time, which I like because right. it's kind of telling a story without, um, you know, country music always tries to do the thing where they kind of make the the final verse before the last chorus make the chorus mean something, where it, but it still says the same thing. Does that make sense? Like they do the thing where it's like, uh, oh, it's a different perspective, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's like that, oh, it's, but the same lyrics then apply to a different thing. He's actually just changing them every time and telling this kind of different story throughout the thing, which I think is hard. Again, I can't, once I write something, I'm like, great, that's the chorus. I don't need to write another chorus, but he chose to write three different versions of this chorus. Um, And gosh, for me, I'm in the same boat, Chris. I mean, this one, this is one of my all time favorite songs. Um, I can't find anything wrong with it. It's a perfect song. And I was kind of in this situation where like loved the song already and then the girl is dating dumped me. I'm all heartbroken and stuff like that. This song means an entirely different thing to me at that point. Yeah. And I just remember wearing this song out on my iPod. Just I had this cracked iPod. I remember being at the um the in in Miami for the Orange Bowl and like I remember listening to it, this album just all the time in my headphones because uh, that was like in in Jan- December January or whatever. Um, and just this song, I remember specifically being in that hotel, looking out the window, listening to this song. I mean, it's like it just burned in my memory. And uh, I agree with everything Chris said. But the things I would add are um, um, that there's some cool stuff going on with like, again, we got the droning thing that I mentioned earlier. So there's that kind of guitar part going. And then it does some cool stuff where the guitars are all mono for the first part of it. And then at the chorus, they separate. So it's not the whole track's not mono, but like all the guitars are in the middle and then on the choruses they spread out. And so it's like a subtle difference that you might not notice, but it does make it get bigger on kind of a thing where it might have gotten repetitive or something. I just think they it's a great song that has great production. Background vocals wise, Kyle, you're totally it's like they were free to try anything they wanted to. 
And they even talk about that in the, that EQ article. I was talking about how they had so much fun, like doing stuff that seemed ridiculous at the time. Like when you're singing it and then you've like put it in the mix and you're like, that, that works. And you're kind of almost laughing bad. about it. Cause you're like, Oh, this is funny. Uh, it seems really stupid to do, but it works in the mix. Um, they mentioned in that, that article that they had when they were out in LA, they had, I guess the studio had like a margarita machine. And so like first couple days in studio, it's like margarita machines kicking on at like 7 PM. And then like a couple days later, it's like kicking on at five and it's like three. And then like, eventually the margarita machine is like on when they show up to the studio. <laughs> they're like, they're like, it's it was the most fun cylinders. session ever. Uh, we're having margaritas all day. Um, which, you know, now Jim's a recovering alcoholic, so maybe not, uh, maybe it wasn't conducive, but I mean, it worked as far as what creatively or creatively it worked well, uh, I guess. And they were having fun and trying everything. And, um, I think it was Rick that was quoted in the thing about how, you know, Jim would spend like Jim and Gill and whoever else would spend like all day doing something. And then the track didn't end up on the record. I mean, they just, they went into every detail, trying every single thing, throwing the kitchen sink at it and. I just think this song ended up being perfect uh, because yeah. of that work they put into it. And I'm glad they, I'm glad they did. Cause it's still one of my favorites. It's not, it is not, none of it has worn off. The luster is still there. And I've never heard a producer or anybody ever say that that wasn't a good method, that that wasn't the way you do it. You just try and try and try, try it. And then the same with songwriting, right. you write and you write and you write and you write like it's yeah. So, and for the most part, you know, like everyone, it's not always consensus. And like I said, I can only speak from my experience being in studio with people, but like for the most part, you're trying stuff and you can tell like you're either kind of all for it or, or, you know, or not. And when you do that thing that works, everyone kind of goes, yes, that's it. You know, you just know when it happens because everyone's either laughing or, um, you know, just everyone gets hit with like, yeah, that's, that's the perfect, that's the part that's supposed to be there. Um, but like, (laughs) It is the part that's supposed to be there, but like try and imagine it sung halfway or something. You know what I mean? Like right. someone just uh, in the background. Yeah. It, it's just, it's perfect. The delivery every is dude. It's so rare to be like, Oh man, I love this. One of my favorite background vocals is in this song. <laughs> yeah. But that is one of my favorite background vocals. Yeah. But don't you I think, think it's it like every time? Well said. I just feel like it's even like for me, when I'm in that situation or have been in that situation, it's almost like you're happy to be wrong when something oh, like yeah. that works. Yeah. You're like, totally. I don't think that's a good idea. And then they do it and you're like, I was wrong. Was it's awesome. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> and so I don't know so how good. much of that was going on here, but you agree. It's like, there's, there's stuff in there that doesn't make sense if someone tried to pitch it to me, but yeah, then they, they, they go in, they do it, they do it well. Um, and they don't, they do it with passion whether they thought it was a good idea or not, <laughs> or they're laughing yeah. at it and it works. Um, it's a great song. I, I wish more people knew about this song. I, I think it's just one of the best ever. And, um, and I, and I wish more people, I, I, I know it doesn't work as a single, but I don't know. I don't know anyone that knows about it. That doesn't like it. If that makes sense. Like it's pretty clearly a fan favorite. They've played it a lot more live over the last few years than they did before. And, um, did they play it recently? They did. They played it at the yeah. show we went to. I mean, I was um, cer- I was certain it was going to be a single the first time I heard the record. I, there was no doubt. In my I'm mind. sure I mean, I labels was so good. But labels I, I don't like, like non-repeating yeah. choruses, but no. 
um, which is understandable, but gosh, sometimes you can break that mold though. You know, sometimes you can do a seven minute song, even though you're not supposed to have seven minute songs on radio. Sometimes you can do, um, the song Green that Day doesn't says have... otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. Wait, which yeah. song do they do that doesn't repeat? Well, no, I'm oh, saying are you seven saying, minute song. Oh, you're saying seven minute song. Yeah. Sorry. That may, I thought you were talking about Jesus a, the repeating suburbia. Part. That's true. Yeah, but that yeah. wasn't a single, was it? Yes. It was. You're right. It was. It was. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's go to track five, The World You Love. Kyle, let's go to you for uh, the world you love. Okay, I want to take back what I said earlier, and this is the song that the dude steals his dad's car and t- puts the top down and drives a chick around. <laughs> this is the one. Got it. Okay, yeah, so that's fair. I, I'm just gonna change that. Um, man, it's it's freaking awesome. I I love this song. I love the little guitar lick that you guys were so awesomely. Uh, air guitar air ripping also not harmonizing know. again that's an octave yeah. in case any um, and people want to know uh, music theory and i love i love the i love the where the where the harmony is in the mix on the clip that you just played i like background vocals to be up and me too uh, and especially when they rock uh great song love it it's a it's feel good this one's uh this one's a jam my favorite part of this song, I didn't do the clip because I just didn't, I didn't think it worked well as a clip, but listen to it again. Uh, if, if you're so inclined, you can hit pause, go listen to the song, come back. Um, is when that guitar solo, which is just, and then it goes yeah. up and the vocals come in and start singing what was the guitar part. Yes. And they're, they're, yeah. they uh, are harmonizing with each other. So that awesome. is one of my favorite parts on this whole record. It's one of my favorite production ideas ever was like, oh, what if we, because I, I don't, you almost feel like what they were like, oh, we can do a harmonizing guitar solo. And then they were like, oh, no, that sounds too Def Leppard cheesy. And someone was like, what if the other lower guitar part became background vocals? It just seems like that's probably what happened. Maybe not. Who knows? I'm speculating. But it is perfect. It is so cool because they're like gang vocal singing that those woes. And it's a really cool. Um, it's a really cool song. And you're right. It does feel very much like um, Ferris Bueller Day Off stole the dad's convertible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> kind of situation playing hooky. Uh, it does kind of feel like that kind of song. Uh, Chris, what are your your thoughts on uh, track five, "The World You Love"? Great song. Uh, the drums on the verse are like the absolute classic Lynn thing. Where I yeah. can almost tell Gerald Orton being like, "Add like some fills and stuff." There, he's like, "Oh, you mean like this?" Like, add it. Like, wow, that's that's really cool, man. Like, you should do that more often. Yeah, because on the he starts adding more of those little. Yeah. tricks in the uh as a matter of fact one of the one of the verses on the next re- on their next record is that uh on that it's one of their singles and he, he adds a little floor tom fill yeah. in um like uh, through the whole verse it sounds great oh what the um, heck is that song 
Um, I know why can't I can see the video? They're in a museum, jumping yeah. around, hop around like a bunch of goofballs. Uh, um, I cannot remember the name of that song. It's gonna drive me crazy. Sorry. Um, and if you've ever been in a in a, in a band, the I I don't know how, how you couldn't get nostalgic. I fall asleep with my friends around me. The only place I know I feel safe. I'm gonna call this home. The open road is still miles away. I mean, once again, I'm projecting my own life onto their onto Jim's lyrics. <laughs> no, but it anything. is about it's absolutely but about being on the road. These, I mean, yeah. Well, these guys are just it. it I, this was always the story of like with so many bands that change members. That these guys are still the same freaking lineup from same four guys four. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they are, they are best buddies. Um, I will say that I can't not hear, um, donut for that yeah. one part where it stops. I always like just picture a donut. Um, I don't know if anybody else does that. No, that, Kyle, you know, I mean, I think all... Kyle was the first, or no, you might've been the person that pointed that out to me. <laughs> like makes me want a donut <laughs> every time that cut off. Yeah. I'm into it. No, I, that line, I'm so glad you brought that up, Chris, because that is a line that I go, Oh, that is like, I, I wish I could have written that lyric because it's exactly how I feel and how I felt at the time too. Cause we were yeah. in a band together sleeping on people's floors and stuff. And, um, yeah, it definitely, this is a real, it feels good. This song. Um, whereas like the last one kill, I love, but it does make me a little, it, it's more of a sad song for me. Right, it feels right. like this kind of this sad love song. Whereas the world you love is like, Oh yeah. Like this is, um, like I just, yeah. I just, I love it. And um, yeah, let's go to track six. The first single, Pain. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Do all of us have the line, it's a lie, kiss with open eyes, is like a great <laughs> line in our notes. Because that, that is such a good metaphor for <laughs> for a lie is a kiss with open eyes. Um, I love it. Kyle, what are your thoughts on on the track, Pain? Um, it, it kicks a lot of butt. Uh, so I had this... Uh, you remember when when iPads or iPads when iPods you would uh, load an album and for some dumb reason like one song would be twice on there and you yes would, oh, this song did that for me <laughs> and so like I rocked this song very frequently because um, it was on it was there twice <laughs> in a row yes, no it's I because you got it's because you got the single first yeah yep, if you bought right. the album on iTunes you're, and so it tried right. to shove it in there twice. And, and like, I, I just couldn't get it to go away. <clears throat> I'm the least tech savvy of all three of us here. So I was like, well, I guess it's on there forever. <laughs> and uh, so to be I fair, that, that kind of crap is why Apple Music is still worse than Spotify. That's I know you so guys bad. don't yeah. agree, but uh, no, no, no. Or maybe I, you do I, agree. Okay. It, yeah. It, I just I picked my pony, man. I'm sticking with <laughs> you're it. You're just sticking it. with it now. Yeah. You're in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember, I remember like, being so pumped to see them tour this record for the first time just so I could scream the takes my pain. Oh, away. it's so good. That, like I, I like I was I was so ready to do that from the moment I first heard this two times in a row. Um, 
And uh, and this is the last song that Jim spoke about of the four. Oh, so, let's hear what Jim has to say. Enlighten us. From the Phoenix New Times. And I sent you guys the pi- that picture is from the Phoenix New Times. Okay. <laughs> what a the terrible worst picture. picture Jim Atkins that has is, ever taken. Are you sure that's not Robert <laughs> Plant? <laughs> Dude, In, it's like, awful. Look, no, he looks like Immortan Joe from <laughs> from Mad Max. <laughs> a, oh. Okay, so uh, Pain was was one of the last songs to get completed. Atkins says, actually, I believe it was the last one, as in we could do nothing else until I finished the lyrics. I took the afternoon off and I just walked around the University of Arizona campus and just finally did it didn't stress out, wrote whatever felt like worked with the mood of the song. At the time, I thought it was maybe the throwaway song for the album. Sometimes because it happens easy and fast, it can mess with your head. You trick yourself into thinking because it wasn't this super labored process, it isn't as worthy as the other ones that were. Guess I was wrong because it ended up being a single. I actually really like the insight of that one. That's like I the love one that quote. Yeah. Spent time on, so... Yeah, that is such a true thing, though, is that you feel like it's like imposter syndrome when you write something that you're like, well, that was too easy. It can't be good. And yeah, in in the other sense, like there have been songs that I like toiled over for forever and I thought I'd made it. And then like I take it to someone then like, hey, which songs we put on the record? They're like, meh, on the one that I like poured (laughs) all all my blood, sweat and tears into. Add a little extra production to the demo. You're like, this is already going to be the one. I might as well just get started working on the rest. Yeah. But that's why, I mean, in those situations where I've, you know, I'm in that part where I'm like, hey, what's which of these songs should I do? Like, what should, you know, I try to send everything, even if it's like little clips, because it's so often that it's like the little throwaway thing that I think is dumb is like someone goes like, oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, this song is awesome. So I'm really glad it made it on the record. It is so much fun to sing the song live with them. They're really good at the crowd thing. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but like, you know, between this and sweetness and I mean, they've got so many songs that are the whole crowd is singing along to yep. these call and answer things and stuff. And uh, this is a great one. And I remember being like, um, slight spoiler alert. I feel like this one I liked a lot, but I like the rest of the record resonated with me more. Like songs like kill and work are a little bit more in the vein of what I tend to love. But this song is like, I like it so much more now than I did even then. I just feel like it's a, it's such a good rock song. Um, they, How do you they feel about it. that dirty solo? It's a great solo. Again, cool octave stuff going on there. Um, the drum that check, 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 yes. check, check, whatever that check, is. Check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's doing it on the rims, and he's doing it on the like hat. Like it's like multiple dubs. It's like the rims, and then another set of rims, and then like the hat stand, and like like basically it's just like all the parts of the drum start part the drum set that aren't the drums themselves the right. uh, actual skins which is cool because you can use drums like that and this is another one of those things i read a quote from jim talking about doing those second verse ha, ha, and he's like just every after every take i'm just laughing because this sounds so stupid i'm like whispering <laughs> right. ha into the microphone and then they th- bury it in the mix and it's like okay it actually that works it's so pretty cool yeah. uh, but obviously someone was like try this and they're laughing hysterically as they cut that stuff but it works it works in the song it's like it needed that part there and um yeah i'm super into i'm super into zach's drumming on this this song it is so Pink cool land. 
the the verse going from those kind of um it's really kind of a two set thing. You almost wish like someone could keep the taps going with with him coming in, but it's just it makes the chorus so big that there are no big drums kind of on that first verse. Yeah. Um it's just the the rims and the the hardware and stuff. So uh Chris, your your thoughts, do you have anything to add uh about I don't. pain? You, you guys you guys hit it in. Uh it, it it ends very nicely too after the guitar solo. How it all pe- all works together and yeah, it is a freaking banger live, man. Great yeah. song. Really good. All right, let's go to track seven. It, oh, wait. Go I think ahead. he does. Oh, I was going to say, I think he does. He has like an electronic pad he uses for the. I don't think he uses it for now. this one. He just does the rims, I think, most of the does time. I've seen him okay. do this. Um, and um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he does have the electronic thing he uses for some other stuff, but I don't think he uses it for this one. But we'd have to go back and look. Um, like a video i guess i remember watching them play this on letterman uh i was just super pumped like this is what jimmy world's one of those bands that i'm like well i'm watching whatever late night show they're playing uh in the, honest, lead up you to were this. already watching letterman no i was already watching letterman anyway but like you know whatever late night show they play but i do remember them playing this on letterman and uh, uh it's pretty cool pretty cool rock song uh good job for single uh i think it did what it needed to do for them and uh, followed that up with work, and um, that's a good, that's a good single list for Jimmy World. I feel like that's kind of is a pretty good uh, representation of them as a band. So uh, let's go to track seven. Drugs are me. Chris Monier, thoughts on Drugs or Me? This is a very beautiful song. Um, <laughs> David Campbell I, with the string arrangement. We've talked about him on this podcast before. He's yeah. pretty good at his job. Great clip. Um, I, I I don't even, I put so many lyrics on here that uh, my Apple application was telling me, like, this is a number, you should have just made this a numbered list. Like, you, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just, the, the, I think, I'll just hit on one because uh, it's part of the clip you played. But the 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 bridge is my favorite part of the song where he says, "Take me, I need your hand so far out from me," and then how he blends it in with the chorus. And um, gosh, it's it's really beautiful. If you've ever dealt with addiction in your life, he hits it on the head. It's it's yeah. perfect. It's a perfect song. It's not my favorite because Kill already took it. But gosh, it's it's real close. This is a it's a beautiful song. I love it very much. It is. It is. Uh, it lyrically, it's fantastic. It's just a good song, and um, and it's kind of perfect for the middle of this record too. Um, hey, I mentioned David Campbell um, <laughs> doing the strings on this one, the string arrangement. Let me just tell you the things he did just in 2004. Okay, this is just <laughs> like, the year it, this like came this out. Is okay, one, one one record that, that he did in the middle of all these others. Alter Bridge, Ashley Simpson, Avril Lavigne, Charlotte Martin, <laughs> Diana Gavarma. I don't know who that. Everlast, Fantasia, Five for Fighting, Good Charlotte, Graham Colton Band, Jimmy World, Kelly Clarkson, Lindsay Lohan, Lit, Lost Prophets, Newfound Glory, Spy Mom, Tommy Gray, Tim McGraw, Train. Wilson Phillips. I mean, hey, that's one every, year. That's everybody. This dude does. <laughs> I mean, music. He, 
Avril Lavigne, you know what that is. That's those I'm with you strings. It's under my skin. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to bring it to you. But you I mean, this dude. You didn't know play. he had detailed notes. <laughs> this dude writes string pop string parts for like everyone. Wow. It's like he's the go-to person. I can't remember who the other band we talked about that did. Was it? Was it Yellow Car? Who was it? I can't remember the other band that we talked about that he did stuff I know because we, we joked about the Ashley Simpson thing. Yeah, we talked right? about it, but I, I literally yeah. cannot remember who it was. Uh, I know we I, he did that Good Charlotte record, but that's not the one we talked about it on. It was someone else, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, huh. the point is uh, the dude does a good arrangement, yeah, and, um, and it really makes this song because the, the aforementioned demo version of this song that has totally different lyrics – a, they don't hit as hard as this one because, you know, like I said, as Chris said, if you've dealt with, if you've ever had someone in your life that had addiction, like it just hit, this hits you like a ton of bricks, kind of. And I don't know what the other word version was about, but it wasn't, it didn't hit me like this one does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the strings, like, so the combination of the lyric change and the strings, mm-hmm. uh, and the demo is pretty cool. Like the demo has some epicness to it without those things. Um, they used one synthesizer for kind of all the keyboard parts for this, other than there's a Rhodes and a piano on the record. But everything else that's not real strings is like this synth. It's like in one synth that they, I can't remember, it was a Yamaha or I can't remember how I've got to look that up. But um, yeah, this thing really came together. Um, and it's a beautiful song in the middle of the record. Um, Kyle, what do you have thoughts on Drugs or Me? Yeah, I'll I'll be brief. I I'm with I'm with you guys. It's awesome, but again, if if you have dealt with anyone that you love with addiction, like I I I had a parent that struggled with I had have a parent that struggles with addiction and like I remember the first time hearing this song, I I wept, like I sobbed because it <laughs> yeah. it, it just captures it. It like it, the it's not just the lyrics, it's the feeling of the song. Yeah. Like there's sadness and hope, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so it's, it's perfect. And it gets every single time I hear it. It's, it's not, um, you, you, you said it, Chris, it's not, it's not your favorite. It's not the best song on the record. It's not your favorite song. Cause you've already claimed it for the other, but like, I would say I agree with you, but it, it is the one that hits me the most in the feels like mm-hmm. it is, it feels very personal. And I think it's because if you've dealt with that and I think everyone has, yeah. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, you're just like, holy, yes, holy many, crap. Many. That, yeah, it, it resonates. So, And how good is he at, Jim Atkins, at like his vocal style fitting what the song needs? Like, because he's, he's, he's singing the lyrics his the, voice the right amazing. way. Like, he's a good yeah. singer right, it's regardless. It's like kind of a soft, there's no, you know, there, there's all this edge to him earlier, but he like pulls it down into this. Like almost like he could be laying on a couch singing this song. I don't know. It, it, when yes, there's like desperation the in his voice, like because oh, this song is like oh, a desperate yes. thing. So like totally. you can hear it in like, his voice. I, I mean, I believe you. I really do. Please I, don't mess with me. But you can yeah. feel it. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel it. And so, and I just think he does such a good job at that. Uh, and I really feel though that he, this is the record where he starts doing it really, really well. And then he continues it on, like. And I'm not dog. I mean, I love Bleed American and Clarity. I'm not discounting them at all as records, but like he he became a better vocalist on this record. And this is a good example yeah. of like he you could if you didn't understand English, I think you would still understand the emotion of this song. Yeah. Even yeah. though if you didn't understand what he was saying. Um it's a it's a great song. Um let's go to Polaris. No. 
As I mentioned, this was one of the songs in the kind of the the teaser that they released that like just grabbed my attention immediately. And um, I think it's really good. And I love the rhythm section on this because it's really driving those choruses, just the bass and kick like, you know, it's like that's all the rhythm because everything else is kind of droning, like all the guitars are straight and there's that little lead line that's going throughout the entire thing. And this is a really good example of that kind of droning um, sound going throughout the, the song. Um, and again, a, a good kind of like, um, I think it feels like a road song to me, uh, lyrically. So that's how I at least interpret it as, I don't know if that is, uh, true or not, but, uh, I like, and, and Jim's one of those people that like famously doesn't talk about what songs are about. And right. so it either has to be painfully obvious. Uh, the only one I've seen him like in depth talk about, I think ever is and we talked about it on clarity was uh, the opening track table for glasses he tells the story about it because the story about it is how everyone interprets it or interprets art differently and so his his only point in telling the story about why he wrote that song is that that's why i don't like to talk about what the song's about <laughs> for the most part so it even um helped him out but um but that goes back to chris's point that's like you can kind of interpret these songs to be whatever you want them to be which is great. And they can even mean something different to you then than they do now. I like it. Chris, what are your thoughts on it? Wonderful tune. Um, I was going to mention the same thing you did. The, 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 you said the rhythm section, I called it the, the bass guitar play, uh, in the chorus that, that baseline alone, like if you said, there's nothing to it. Like it's kind of weird actually. Um, and then you, you layer everything on top. It's classic Jimmy world, how they put, how it any, any, if you played any one of those parts, it would just be like, oh yeah, anybody could play that on guitar. Any, definitely anybody could play that on bass. But <laughs> altogether, it's the, that's the magic that makes this band and the rest yeah. you put very well. They they play well together, like because yeah. they, they've been doing so for. I mean, at this point, it'd be like ten years. But I mean, now they they've all been played twenty five years exactly what they need to. It seems like. Um, yeah. yeah, and they're good. The other thing that <laughs> in that same article that mentioned, well, it was like the Wikipedia thing reference the thing it constantly refers to Tom as playing the lead parts, which like it, Jim plays all the lead stuff on guitar. So it's just another one of those things where I'm just like ah, people on the internet. Um, Jim plays the lead parts for the most part. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on Polaris? I don't really have anything extra dudes. I mean, that bass tone is killer. Sounds so awesome. Oh, I do have a question for for you guys. Yeah, you, would am I wrong in feeling like maybe this one could vibe on Clarity? I think so. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Agree. Um, I mean, it's, it, maybe I slightly like different production, vibe. but yeah, I think it could. Okay. Um, you speaking of bass tone? Interesting note about the bass tone. I don't know which songs they did all this on, but I know they did when they need a little more grip from the bass. They would like run it through bass and direct and stuff, and then they'd also run it through like a Marshall. Uh, oh, what? that's cool. Marshall amp, like and cab, like guitar amp oh. and cab. 
uh, just to get some like nastiness on it. I don't think they did on this track specifically, but you can definitely, that's what they're getting like on futures and like probably just tonight and pain, like the rockier songs, like just giving some extra grit to it, especially since oddly enough, the bass and the guitars, because the guitars are tuned down, (laughs) they're kind of competing a little bit more. So you want a little bit of that more kind of grit from and high end from the, from the bass tone. But I just think, yeah, everything sounds so good on this record. And this is a great example of a song that has a lot going on, but you can pick out all the little parts still. It's like everything's in its little spot in the mix um, and it works really well. But uh, you don't always get, you can like overcrowd a song and this feels like there's a lot going on more so than they normally have because they're a lot of times pretty straightforward. It's like, here's the rhythm part. Here's the other part, bass, drums, like, here we go. Um this has a lot of ear candy on it and a lot of kind of cool repetitive parts and stuff. And it doesn't feel crowded to me. So I'm into it. Um, let's go to track nine. Nothing wrong. I love that, like, after not getting guitar solos at all from Jim Atkins, except for the Here's middle. all the guitar solos. They just did it on, like, oh, so many songs on this record. I just had to pick guitar solo clips because they're not, like, crazy complicated for the most part, but they're, like, kind of perfect for the song. This just has that 16th note kind of thing going on, uh, and I like it. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Nothing Wrong? All one word, by yeah. the way, Nothing Wrong. This... This is actually, I think, maybe my favorite solo on the record, just because it's so different from all the others. The others kind of like, it just, it just has a different vibe, you know. Um, I we were talking earlier about uh, gang vocals and being ready to sing them back and how they're so good at that. This is another song that I wanted to, you know, make sure that my shouts were heard. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Jim Atkins heard me when they played. He looked right at me. Right at um, you, yeah. Yeah, he's like, that guy, he's doing it. Um, yeah, freaking freaking awesome song. Chris, That's thoughts? Yeah, this song freaking rocks, dude. And yes, uh, birthday buddy on, on the nose, the, the call and answer. Burn, burn, whose turn, who gets a taste today? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like every show I'm like, I have Katie drive to the Jimmy Eat World show. I was like, well, I got to go over these. I got I to go over my notes. So. <laughs> So if you could go ahead and take the wheel, I got to. <laughs> I got to do, <laughs> I gotta do some vocal warm ups before we get there. <laughs> I've yeah. never left a Jimmy World show with a voice. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean that's pretty fair. I'm I'm singing pretty loud, uh, and you know what's, what was disappointing this last time that we just saw them. Like the first three songs sounded <sighs> terrible. Like the sound guy could not get it dialed they in. Did. They sounded awful. There was no low end, and it like. You really, you really feel that when they don't have amps because they're all digital now, and so, right. you know, Worst like they ever it was sounded at no fault of their own. And no, yeah, yeah not but their, it was definitely hands it was down. Not, there was no doubt about there it. There was like yeah. no bass 
And like the kick yeah, had no umph. Like, you know, normally at a rock show, that thing's hitting you in the chest. And it was like all guitar, no, no bass or drums for some reason. And it took them like three or four songs to get into it. And and what's the worst to me world song you can play if you've got no low tone? <laughs> futures. Yeah. It's just like, uh, dun, 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 dun. oh my God, what is it happening? It did not. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was not the, there was something going on for sure. And, um, but, but yeah, this, this, it's a great song. Good rock song. This is the most bleed American song in my opinion. Oh yeah. yeah, Do you think that's fair to say? Like this feels like you could put it on bleed American, but it would be one too many songs like that. Cause it's very, get it faster. Like it even has kind of some of the same feel and it wouldn't have, you couldn't have this and get it faster. I mean, you could, but probably would be ill-advised um to have it on the same record but it's a good song um it's a solid um we're almost penultimate and i'm really excited to talk about this next one because i think here's i think this is where the controversy is going to (laughs) come track 10 night drive i think we're going to have opinions on this one here we go All right, so a little background. Um, at one point, and we'll see what the updated opinions are, if anything, Chris and I were definitely not fans of this song. Like, not... I don't know that we... Chris, would you have gone so far to say Crap Sandwich ever? Or was it just, like, not... Didn't live up to the expectations of the rest of the record? That, that second one's definitely true. I mean, I... Uh... Yeah, it's hard for me to say about my favorite band, but this one, oof. I, I, and I, I could never put my finger on what I didn't like about this song, and I still can't. And it, I do like it more than I did. Um, Kyle, that well, clip first you of all, it, was re- was redeeming. Yes. Yeah, Kyle, what what are your thoughts on it first? Because I don't know if you're in the same well, boat as us well, or not. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to share my thoughts on this. Please guys, do, please because, do. Because uh, I'd also like our our friends at home to know something that we never talk about these records beforehand nope. but this has been a conversation that's not. been going on for <laughs> almost 20 years <laughs> yeah yeah uh it, and, and i'll paint you a picture of uh <laughs> I, I actually think it's i i think it was it was january 29th 2011 we're at the diamond ballroom i'm standing next to blake i say dude i hope they play night drive blake says that song sucks <laughs> And, and Chris is there. He's like, Chris, Kyle likes Night Drive. And I feel like you didn't say crap sandwich, but I don't know why I have this memory of you being like, that song is a turd. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been pissed at you guys ever since. And so it, although it is true we, we never talk about these things beforehand, there, there's history when it comes to this There song. is history. You know, we did talk and, about this 11 years ago. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I, am, I am sticking to my guns. I love this song, and I always have. I always will. I, and, uh, and that's all. Okay, so I think there's a couple things. I, I know for a fact that Jim, they were trying, he was trying to write a song that was just like the same four chords the whole time. 
Um, so again, like a good songwriting exercise. He's pretty good at that kind of stuff of like coming up with a new way so he doesn't get stuck in a rut. I, I, I admire him for that. Um, I, there's something that doesn't generally bother me, but I think the fact that it's not... I think there's a few things that bother me about it. One, I, I don't tend to like lyrics about sex because they don't tend to ever... Um, capture the right thing. I just, it's like they're they're either like ooh, kind of abrasive, or they're kind of like cheesy, or I don't know. It's just such a hard thing to write about. It's just it, like there are very there are a few songs that work really well. Most of the songs that work really really well are very subtle, and this one's not very subtle. I mean, you know, you can tell what it's about. I mean, kiss me with your cherry lipstick. It's pretty obvious, um, and. So I think it was the combination of like, it it feels a little repetitive. I mean, I do like that it builds and like that cliff that I picked. And I li- I do like his vocal performance on here. Like, I think it's got a great feel to it. Do you like the na-na-na-nas? The na-nas, I don't mind at all. Don't mind them. I don't mind the na-nas. That's fine with me. Um, but I don't like that. I don't like that like everything's repeating the, the melody. Like... Na, 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 na. I mean, that's like the it's like the lead line in the song. It's also the, the chorus yeah. line. It's also and it's just like it's just too repetitive for me. I just don't love it. But what's weird is that like it is a polarizing song. Like people either love this song or they don't like this song at all. I don't feel like because uh, we had this when we were in the band Chris and I were in our lead singer Danny. Uh, he loved this song and we talked at length with him about like, because we didn't like it. He really loved it. And we had lots of records like that where like he would love it. Chris and I wouldn't. And there's obviously just something different about the way (laughs) Chris and I listen to songs. And I don't think it's that we're right at all. I don't because it's art. It's how you interpret it. And I think what you like and what you don't, you don't. Yeah. And I would say that we're in the minority of the people that I've talked to about this. Most people think I'm a heretic for saying I don't like this song. Um, It is weird though, because I I do like it a lot more and I, uh, it's like, I don't know if I, I still don't know if I'd kick it off the record because it doesn't, it, it kind of needs, something needs to be here between nothing wrong and 23. That would be, to slamming on the brakes kind of thing uh, to go straight into it. So it's like it almost needs to be there. But um, this kind of acoustic-driven thing that they do, um, it was awesome on Hear You Me. Um, it's great on – they've got a great, like, chiller acoustic song on every record of theirs. And I feel like this is the least of all of those, in my opinion, still. Even though I like it more than I did and it's grown on me, and I don't mind it as much as I did when I was 21 or whatever, uh, when this record came out, but I still don't love it. it. It's still not something that I would put on any playlist, which I don't know. That's, I feel, and I feel guilty for it. <laughs> I know yeah, that sounds so should. bad because this is one of my <laughs> favorite bands. Like I said, I've got Jim looking at me right now, judging me for not <laughs> liking his song in my office in a sea of Batman stuff. There's one musician in here and it's Jim Atkins. You know, okay. You know what he would say to you if he could right now, he would say, Blake in the year that Huba stank gave you the reason I gave you this and you're bitching. I'm not. Okay. Only <laughs> because forsake me. Blake <laughs> <Fisher>. forsake me. <laughs> I do feel like that though. Cause this is still one of my favorite records. It's one of my favorite bands. 
I, I would still call this a perfect record, even though I don't love this song because it's just everything else outweighs it for me. And I also know that so many other people really like this song. So yeah. I feel like, I feel like my opinion is just wrong sometimes. And and then also he would be like, and if you think this is bad in one year, you'll have to listen to lips of an angel. <laughs> oh, Hey, fun fact. Wait, there's a lot of feelings associated with that song. There's that a band. lot of feelings associated with that song. I don't know if we've mentioned it on this, po- this podcast. Chris and I's band used to play with Hinder all the time at a local joint what? called the Blue Note. I didn't know that. We, yeah, we went to high school with I that really guy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, Kyle, <laughs> seriously? Yeah, we, we should really have, didn't. Like, we should literally well, I mean, it's not have like a, a badge po- of honor that you guys <laughs> No, well, here's, here's what's funny. shame. Here's what's funny is no. that like we liked them. This is pre them being gigantic, by the way. Yeah. We, we really yeah. liked those guys a lot. And what was funny is that we would play a show at Blue Note together. We did this like at least four times, right? At Blue Note. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot. They sold it was fairly it out often. Every time. We sold it out every time, but what's weird is that it was two totally different crowds. We would play early because uh, our yeah. crowd was younger, even though it was a 21 and up place. And then our crowd would kind of leave. Their crowd would come in and they would like shut that place down till like one in the morning. And they were playing a bunch of covers and stuff at the time too. They weren't, they didn't have all their original stuff. Anyway, it was just funny that then they get signed and. I mean, they sold. They were selling an image from the start, right? Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. The the pieces of the record that went on to sell platinum, the lead singer literally asked me, "Hey, how many copies of the record should we press? Because we had already pressed our album." He said, "We can't decide if we should do ten or 20. And I was like, (laughs) "You guys, you don't make ten thousand copies." I was like, "Start with five. I was like, "Start with five thousand. You'll be lucky if you (laughs) you have boxes of those for the rest of your life." Million. Yeah. Did not call that one right. <laughs> that went multi-platinum, I think. So anyway, oh, yeah. that's yeah, Lots that's of our platinums. that's our 2000 butt rock reference for this podcast is Hinder. There it is. Uh, for those of you playing bingo. Brought to you by Hinder. <laughs> finding Emo uh, Bingo has a butt rock band, uh, any of the various. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, I would... Um, I think my opinion's wrong, Kyle. I think that... I think you are more in the right as far as, like in the vein of most Jimmy world fans and even people that would just hear this song. Um, and I just, I wish I, I wish I had a better excuse for why I didn't like it and a better, like, like I will argue with you about like that Batman versus Superman is a terrible movie. Even if you like it, you, like you don't need, you don't need to argue that. Right. But yes. I will argue that with, I have made that I've yeah. argued with people about that and I will try to prove them. I will try to change their mind. I'm not trying to change anyone's <laughs> mind on this song. If that right, I can't you know, put my I can't put my finger on it. I, I but it, it, it even that line you played like where he like it his naked vocals and that line I just uh just grits my teeth. I hate it. I that will line. say because <laughs> I'm just I, like I, why did that have to stick out by itself? Go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. He's well. well I was just gonna say it, honestly the one thing the one thing that I notice as being different about the song. I don't know if this is what makes you like it less. Like you mentioned, you mentioned it that sex songs are weird and that is true but like he's he is i think that on this record this is him the most on the nose absolutely on it's two on the nose yeah and Um, i never complain about his lyrics like this pitchfork article was like brutal like i said but it was unfairly brutal for like did all you do is read the liner notes? Did you even listen to the record or did you just read the lyrics? Uh, and maybe that's because that to that guy, lyrics are super important. They're not super important to me, but something about them rubbed this way. And I think I know what it is. It doesn't feel like a Jimmy Eat World song. I think that's what it is. Yep. It just yep. feels like someone else's song. And right. It just sticks out like a sore thumb on the record, too, because of that. It just, yeah. yeah. 
Oof. Anyway, that's that's where we're on drive. I do like it more than I did. I I, I tell, still tell us what you think at home. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, well, I yeah. You, oh yeah, you, you take you you take the song off the record. You slide drugs or me in between nothing wrong and twenty three. See, that's almost like two epic songs to end it with. I, mean, I just would have I would have subbed in something else. Anything I don't know to what get the song off the record. I, just, I don't know what it would have been. <laughs> yeah. But I am curious. Like this is just one of those things. With, I'm just working with what I have, guys. I this got, is one of those things. These songs. We want, slide somewhere. we want your opinions. I'm going to put a poll on Instagram or something and be oh, like, what's, what's your opinion on night drive? Like, and we're going to, oh, yeah, you, you, know yeah. you didn't answer the question. Do you give this, do you, is this, do you give it a crap sandwich? Is it, can you <sighs> even Howard. bring yourself to do it? I can't there do it. Be, well, I have uh, like, I've joked. I don't know if I've ever joked to you guys about this, but I've even joked about like my, my, my tattoo. Like I should have had an asterisk and put not night drive at the bottom <laughs> of my tattoo. <laughs> Not night drive. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't say crap sandwich. There should be a special word it. for this album, like the night drive award, which is just like I can't quite say it. But I've, man, it, yes, Even I can't say crap time, sandwich. I remember, I, I, yeah, no, I can't. Say I can't it, do it. It always hit me wrong, just so wrong on this record. Yeah. I love Jimmy um, World too much to throw the word crap around when. I've um, even talked. I've even had yeah. imaginary conversations with Jim Adkins in my mind about how I would bring it up because, like, that it would be bugging me the whole time we were talking about. Should I say what I feel? Should I should I tell him? Hey, like, what, what happened here? Hey, hey, I have another thinking? theory. Though. What are you thinking? It's the, it's the worst. I, Why? Why would you do it? So, Why do you hate? What's your, what's your theory, Kyle? <laughs> on, on so my theory is it's a combination of a few things: the on the nose lyrics and the absolute masterpiece that follows it. That's, uh, that's I funny. think you're probably right. I think that's a good theory yeah. because, yeah, 23 is – well, let's just get to that. Let's just – should we go to 23 now that you've let's thrown do, your theory out there? Oh, let's yeah. go to the final track, 23, um, which – Goosebumps have already started. Go. They've already started. Here we go. I, I, I mean, guys, I don't know how I picked 45 no, seconds. No, how could you? I don't know how I did just it. Just play the it's whole too song. hard. Let's do it. We'll just take the <laughs> lawsuit. singing along and air guitaring by the way that's also an octave guitar solo again not harmonizing <laughs> guitars but i love that that's peppered throughout the record that's another like theme yeah. production wise they carry out throughout the whole record and it makes it just a glue that makes this whole like bookends we had the first track had octave guitar parts lead parts and this one has a solo that does the same thing it's like bookends and i cannot for a band that does opening tracks and ending tracks I don't know that there's a better opening track and ending track record than this record. I just, I don't know that there is one. And, and as much as like, look, Clarity's fantastic too. Like, and Bleed American's fantastic too. Like, but this one, this is such a good song. Uh, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is the second time I've talked about this song on the podcast. I don't know if that's happened before. Um, this was on my Valentine's Day playlist. Yeah, it's true. Yes. So has this ever happened for the second time? I don't know what I I wouldn't go back and list what I said. So 
Um, I, yeah, this one of the, it's just such a good song. I mean, it, it is really hard to put into words the emotions that this song evokes. It, it makes me reflect on the life that I've lived, the life that I want to live. It like makes me feel like, have, have I done enough? Have I done the things I should do? Am I giving enough to my kids, to my wife, to you guys, my friends? I mean, it really, it takes me to crazy places. Like this song is like a drug to me. Um, it's beautifully written. Um, the way it builds up to that ending and Blake, bravo, great, perfect clip. You did. You, you oh, I mean, I there's was, so many perfect clips. You could just do the intro right, without but, any yeah. lyrics and vocals in it. I mean, you could do every part of this song is interesting and it's over seven minutes long. Yeah. And when he says don't, every time he says don't give away the end, I'm just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Spicy meatball. This is a great song. I, I don't know what else you could say. <laughs> Uh, As Chris Carabba would say, famous restaurant. Carabba. Carabba. Kyle, what are your thoughts on on 23? I mean, we already know you said you think it's perfect, but uh, elaborate. It's it's a masterpiece. And also, I want to expound upon something that you said. You were talking about the the perfect bookends of futures and this. I don't know if you guys remember, but it was out of context when we we did the Valentine's uh, mixtape. I'm going to say it again. And you said you would listen to it. I don't know if you did, but I swear to you, the melody on that you'll sit alone forever is reminiscent of say hello to good times on futures. I swear it has to oh, be yeah. on purpose. Absolutely. And it, it just, it's, it, it book ends the freaking record. It's so awesome. I love it when people do that. And, um, it's great. The lyrics are great. It's, 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 it's a perfect song. Especially on that last chorus. You're right. Yeah, it's like, it absolutely. is like the, the, the phrase you could line them up on top of each other. It's not yes, exact notes. Yes. It's close. Um, and his vocal again, gosh, I mean, it's perfect on it. It has all oh, yeah. of the emotions at every point that you like when he's soaring on that last chorus. I mean, it's yeah, well, he's soaring. He's soaring um, with the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, an interesting tidbit that I did not know until I was doing the, kind of the research these last uh, couple weeks is so they, they, David Campbell did the string arrangement for Drugs or Me. They had the string session. You pay for that, like you pay for an hour. You, and, and you, you can't pay for like 45 minutes when you've got an orchestra in the room. That's how it works in studios. They had half an hour and this was Seems a synth fair. part on the demo and quickly one of the guys just, they're like, we got half an hour. He just like re basically wrote it out and had the strings try it. They're like, let's just try it. And that's how the strings got on this song guys. No way. <laughs> yes. An afterthought. With, the, with the extra time they had from drugs or me, they just like quickly transposed the synth part that they had, which was kind of a synthy string thing. You can hear it on the demo, but got the real strings in there to do it. And, and you go, they must have realized when that happened that they were like, wow, we really have done something amazing here that we didn't even plan on doing. Uh, that's to get strings on one song is a dream of mine. Uh, to get it on two songs and then for this to be one of them, I cannot imagine listening to the strings over this uh, live. It would, as Kyle did when the strings were on his song, it would bring a tear to my eye. 
Um, I without a doubt, it brings a tear to my eye. When I was just listened to it, and I had nothing to do with this track. <laughs> yeah. um, and Amen. so, um, yeah, I just think it's a perfect ending song. There's nothing I don't like about it. It's seven minutes long, and I want to immediately listen to it again. I mean, I probably did repeat the crap out of this song. Um, even though I really like to go front to back, I definitely repeated this song. There's no way uh, on that on the drives back from Edmond that I wasn't uh, repeating this a couple times before starting the record over again. Um, okay, that's track by track. Let's jump into lasting impressions. This is going to be the dumbest, fastest lasting impressions <laughs> we've ever done on this because I think it's, uh, for the most part, going to be pretty quick. Does it hold up? Duh. We all think Duh. it holds up, okay? Um, without Obviously. a doubt. Um, I don't know a Jimmy Eat World fan that doesn't like this record. Um, uh, it's great, so there's that. Um, is it their best album? This is where things get a little, I think, trickier. Um, Kyle, do you have a, a thought? I mean, I know, I think we've, we've obviously talked about this cause we've talked about two other Jimmy world records. So I imagine we all land in the same place we did in those other episodes. So, I think, I think, uh, as a rule of thumb, I say, yes, like this is their best. Okay. I think over time <clears throat> chase this light is, is holding a special place in my heart, but also Futures is the best. Like, I'm just saying, I gotcha. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, chase this light. And I think maybe I also am, uh, I think maybe I'm also just kind of ticked at the people that slept on that record. It's freaking awesome. Uh, totally but, agree. But uh, no, I think that this is their best. Chris, what, where are you at? Best record. Hands down for me. You've yeah. got the tattoo, so that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah it, well, it, it, it bridges the world of clarity and the world of Bleed American perfectly. And, um, you know, I, it's weird because me and you have been friends for – all of us have been friends for a long time. But, like, we've talked about this, but you talked about it in a different way that I've ever heard you talk about it this time. Like, when you talked about you, – you and Kyle about the vocal performances. Yeah. I don't think I quite noticed that even, like, till we were, like, talking just now in this podcast. But I, I, I think that's – another piece for me is like J Jim levels up on this record, like Mario, like firepower levels up. And that's a, that's like, a good analogy. He's got, he's got this like superpower that he <laughs> then goes on to use, you know, throughout the rest of, of their catalog and yet yeah, just banger after banger. Man, I, I, I still cannot, it is so hard for me to pick between clarity, bleed American, this and chase this light. I think they, I, I don't know that they're, are more than a couple other bands that I can think of that have put out four records in a row that are that good. Um, uh, I think Third Eye Blind is probably one of them. Uh, Counting Crows is one of them. Um, there's like only a handful that four in a row. Uh, I think uh, Paramore might be at that point because those four in a row are pretty great. Right. Um, yeah. But it's just not very often that someone can, can can keep that up for that long. And and there's really like the only thing that keeps me from saying it's the absolute best is probably Night Drive, honestly. I mean, that sounds petty maybe even. But like because that's like one of my lesser favorite Jimmy World songs and it's lesser favorite than my least favorite songs on all those other three records that I'm talking about. I feel like I can't say it's their best, but then again, that's just my opinion. It is. You're right, Chris. I'm with you on the way the vocals came together. And like, I feel like he became 
post this, Jimmy, Jim gets really good at Pro Tools and recording, and they've got their studio set up, and they become more kind of self-sufficient in that way. I mean, they always work with a producer to help shape stuff, but he becomes a really good like engineer and producer himself, I think, after this record. And so I'm with you. I feel like it's such a catalyst for what happens afterwards, and I think it could have been a... Well, we'll talk about that in a second. So I, I really can't, it's, it's the same. It's like, it, it is the best, but it's the best with bleed American clarity and, and chase this light for me. I just cannot pick between those four. Can't do it, yep. but it, it, it is tattoo worthy. It's a fair sure. answer. It's tattoo worthy <laughs> without a doubt. It's, it's a fair answer. I get four desert Island songs. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> like that's going to, that's going to be really the fun part. Okay. Is it their most important album? I think this one's a more interesting question. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? I, I don't. Mm. Important's a weird word. Com- commercially, no. Right. But I think as far as uh, solidifying that they, that Bleed American wasn't a fluke and, and that they, they're here to stay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, For their career, I think it is their most important yes. record because yeah. it, it gives them what keeps them going from then on. They figure out this totally. pattern of Keep, like. The momentum yeah. stays. Yeah. It doesn't fade. And I think that it could have very, really hard to follow up a really successful album like Bleed American. It's really easy to have a dud of a record. And I mean, they almost made potentially a dud of a record. They recognized that it wasn't working and changed to make it work. Um, But you do wonder, like, the reason I think it might be their most important one is because, like, what if they would have finished with Trombino and it wouldn't have been... Like, look, they're not going to put a bad record out, but what if it wouldn't have been... Dude, what if damn? What if this was damage? What if that? <laughs> See, I like damage. I would was, say, what if it was I'm not, invented? I'm not, okay, invented yo, is I, like and, I think they're they're my their least favorite record of mine. Um, but it's and, still. And I'm good. not trying to hate. I'm just saying. No, I'm imagine hating. that this release was that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it wouldn't have. Yeah, it just. Um, they might have been done. Yeah, or or at least like not been able to continue to put make out the kind of records, records they want to do and make. Yeah money on the road and stuff like that um chris what do you think do you think are you with us or i like you guys's answer a lot i think i think i would i think my answer before hearing you you guys have swayed me i think i would have said bleed american for the obvious reason that that's what propelled them but i like if i'm a music business guy and i play one on tv i like that (laughs) answer better because you're right it did kind of cement them it's like it's like bleed american was um was like they bought the plot of land and then this album was like where they like built the foundation the most important part of of like what comes next and so many bands that we knew or didn't know just knew of like they they got so close to that part right the part where you get to play the festival circuit until you die versus you just disappear into obscurity um and uh, you know they're I'd say of the emo acts that you know were playing around you know the early 2000s I mean if you talk about staying power they're near the top. Um, yeah, they have they have to be. They pretty much sell out, or almost yeah. sell out every you know mid cap venue that they play. Um, they played the first year I moved to Austin. They played ACL Live. I mean, it was they played a huge festival. Like, and there was a huge crowd around. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I like I, you guys' answer. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna steal it, but I'm gonna say you swayed me. Well, and here's another good kind of thought. As you were saying that, and I thought about what Kyle, what Kyle was saying too. You know, we talked about how like sometimes there was this fight between like people that thought, oh, Clarity is my Jimmy World Record or Bleed American is my Jimmy World Record. But I feel like all of those people liked Futures. 
You know what yep. I mean? Like whether you came down on like team clarity, team bleed American, uh, I think everyone liked futures that I, I don't, like I said, I don't know anyone that like is like me futures like, um, and so I, maybe that maybe that's why it's important is because it kind of solidified their fan base as, oh, we all like this. And I don't, I don't feel like anyone was ever saying they didn't like Bleed American or they didn't like Clarity. It was just like more of a, oh, Clarity's way better or Bleed American. You know, it, just, it was just fun arguments. It wasn't like anyone was getting so, super heated about it, I don't think. So so may may I skip may, may I skip to Does It Hold Up? Is that okay? Uh, do we do that? Well, we did that. Or did we say duh? We said yeah. Duh. We said duh. Yeah, yeah, okay. We, we basically okay, skipped so over. I, it. I'll add, I'll add on to that. So, Blake, do you remember you? You'll remember him. Michael played guitar with us at that show with yeah. the House of Heroes. Yeah. Okay. Michael didn't like Bleed American just because it got a lot of radio play. He wasn't a Jimmy Eat World fan. Never listened to them. Like three years ago, I realized he's never listened to another Jimmy Eat World record. I'm like, dude. You have to listen to Futures. He freaking loves it, and he hasn't listened to any other records. I can't I'm imagine. Like, I can't track. imagine discovering you? Futures like twenty years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not and quite he, twenty. And he but loves it. That lucky and bastard. He's like, yeah. How does it sound this good? Yeah, it's it's because right, it does hold up. That's for oh, like totally right. sonically. Yeah. yeah, Gil Norton again, one of my favorite producers. He's timeless, just, really. He's yeah. so good. Um, Okay, let's go to awards. Desert Island songs. Two or three of your favorites. Let's not even pretend anyone's going to pick two. Um, Chris, you get to go first. Good luck. Here are my four. Um, <laughs> Futures is break the rules. <laughs> Drugs are me, 23. <laughs> uh, Chris is breaking the rules, and you guys know I like rules. It's I my don't. Desert Island. It's your podcast, yeah, Try too, one from my hands on the airplane. I don't right. know. How does it work? How did I get to the desert? I don't know. We've never talked about on it. On a ship, or I don't know how this works. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, what, what about you? Uh, I'm going to so go. Hard. I'm going to go 23 <laughs> drugs or me and futures. And I want to, I want to throw a disclaimer out there because we have always said and agreed that when we pick the same songs, that it's, it's an indication that maybe those were just the best standout songs on the record. That is not the case. No, on this no, record. no, no, no. I just, there's these songs mean something to me. And so I, I said, I'm, I, I lined up with my birthday buddy and, and the whole record is awesome. But those three songs, if I have to pick, that's what I'm taking. Um, I mean, I think I, I where well, I'm probably close to the same, but it's, it's hard. It really is hard yeah, to get to really three. Hard. Um, I think I have to say, Futures kill in twenty three. I mean, there's just no. It just has to be those three. I don't know. Why. I can't. I can't rank. I mean, but it's like I want to put work in there. I want to put Polaris in there. Um, yeah. uh, I want to put Drugs or Me in there. But in the world, you. I mean, I just. I really love this whole record. I mean, it's just. But yeah, I'm gonna stick with Futures, Kill, twenty three. I um, uh, coincidentally, most of. Well, no, I guess just one of which wasn't in the original demos or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, those are th those are the three, I guess. And and you're right, Kyle. It's not because those are the only three good songs on the record. It's because they are just so phenomenal. It would yeah. be a crime to leave them off that list. Uh, nobody's perfect. Kind of streams. Oh, sorry. Nobody's perfect. I think we know what Chris and I's uh, least favorite song <laughs> on this record is. It's Night Drive. I don't even have to ask Chris because I know that's what it's it is. Kyle. Do you Night have drive. one? Don't even ask me. Don't even ask me. Do you me. have I one, have, though? I don't. 
No, of course not. You don't have one. You can't pick one. Okay, great. I love that. Um, Grower, not a shower. What's the song you didn't maybe like at first, or at least maybe not? On this record, I think we all liked it at first, so maybe it grew on you in the sense that you slept on it a little bit. Kyle, what's yours? Maybe, like, I get this is a lame answer, but I'll say that it was the whole album just because coming out of coming out of um, bleed American. I, I really enjoyed the poppiness of that, but I didn't dislike this record. So it took like two seconds for it to grow on me. But initially there was some shock, but like there's no one, there's no one song that I heard that I was like, Hmm, no, don't like this. And then changed my mind. I, 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 I like them all. I've always liked them all. So for, I take back what I said. No. It's okay. Chris, uh, do you have a girl or not a shower? Drugs or me? I, I think I, I, I liked the song when uh, I was younger, but it, it, it definitely hit, hit me different with age. Um, so it was, I, you know, like I said, I don't think it would have made my desert Island if we did a podcast in 2007, um, on an iPod classic, but, yeah. um, but for, for, for me, that one, like it hit me, it hit me, hit me different with age seeing, especially seeing all our friends grow up and some of them not grow up. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's, it, it has a different effect. We were so young when this record come out. We, we hadn't, um, you know, we were just young and we were invincible. invincible. Did we just say at the same time? Yep. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think <laughs> mine's probably the same. I think it's, I think it's drugs or me because I didn't deal with any of that heavy stuff that was in the lyrics when I was 20. I hadn't yet. Uh, and, and now I have, uh, I think that's one part. I think uh, oddly enough, um, nothing wrong is kind of the other one for me. They're kind of, they kind of both grown me. It's not that I didn't like nothing wrong. I just, it felt like, it felt like another, um, just tonight and pain and nothing wrong are kind of in the same vein. And it felt like the third one. And, and I like it so much more now than I did maybe at first. It's not that I didn't like it, but it, I'd say those two are the ones that definitely grown me. And to be fair, Night Drive has grown on me. I still don't like it enough uh, to say it's like my growing on shore, but it has grown on me. I like it more than I did. I appreciate it, but I still just don't love it. I hate it it less. Um, Well, that is it for us for this uh, two-hour long... Oh, wait, Kyle. Kyle has another thing. I was going to say. That's not it for us. I had one one more thing to say. Hold on, wait, wait. Do it. Okay, say it again. I'm going to cut that out. Okay. I, I had one more thing to say about drugs or me yeah um you you know that something is awesome when it handles such heavy subject matter and like i think that it's all of our natural instinct to want to avoid those things so like you know if if we knew someone that was dealing with x whatever it is then we wouldn't want to expose them to something that brought that up but like drugs or me is is so good if if I know that someone is dealing with that, like I totally would put that song on a playlist and be like, listen to this. Like you you don't feel I don't, I don't know. You feel like like Jim understands you. You know what I mean? Like you're what you're going through as opposed to like irrit- poking something that's irritating. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or judging or it, exactly. Yeah. It, yes. No, it makes perfect so. sense, Kyle. That's that's very well put it. It he does it has this quality of it where he's it, it, somehow through his lyrics and through the microphone it, 20 years later it, it, it's like hey I, I i get you man 
or yeah. lady. I, I, it's, it's, it's authentic. Cool. Yes. It's so hard to do. It's almost impossible to do, actually. <laughs> You'd be a very gifted person. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's interesting that you said that because I think that the, that might have been part of the catalyst is the remix of, of Drugs Are Me that's on the EP that follows this has, I don't know, it's it certainly doesn't fit lyrically for what the song's doing because it's kind of this weird uh, sort of remix of the song. Um, but it did pique my interest on the song a little bit more, and then I think it probably did. But yeah, I think you're right, Kyle. I think that part of it was just getting older uh, and and dealing with some of that stuff, and then also just uh, growing to appreciate a song. Uh, yeah, did a good job. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that's definitely my clear winner for Growing Out of Shower, now that you have convinced me of that. Uh, any other thoughts before we wrap this thing up that's gone over two hours? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> we just really like this record. Yeah, if you if you if you started listening when you went to bed, you need to it's wake time up and for go work. to work. It's time to get up. Put your shoes on. Oh, we might be that boring <laughs> that we can put you guys to sleep. Um, apologies for that. We would love to hear your thoughts on this one, especially on our controversial takes on Night Drive. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to put a poll up on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere so uh, you can uh, you can do that at info at findingemopod.com that's our email or you can send us the comments and stuff like that on any of the social media stuff at finding emo pod uh thanks so much for listening for uh two hours while we gloat not gloat that's not the right word we just uh just gush gush that's the word i was looking <laughs> gush. for gush Perfect. such a not good with words uh so yeah thank you so much for listening uh we appreciate it and we will catch you next time for our 51st episode thanks for hanging out with us and and listening to us talk about these albums we really uh like doing this podcast we're glad you listened to it uh we hope you enjoy it uh because we certainly love the music from this time period so glad you do as well uh we'll catch you next time